I'm not exactly sure what the prompt was for extra children to join me in the front row uh, this morning for the first couple of songs, but I appreciated it. I love to uh, worship with, with kids and see them participating uh, in the church in that way. Uh, and it, I, I was thinking this week about uh, my own kids, and when my own kids were younger, uh, we used to love to go to the library story times at the Wilsonville uh, Public Library. And in the summertime, uh, in the fall and spring and winter, they would do story time. And in the summertime, they would do family fun shows. And they would bring somebody in, some kind of entertainer or something, and they would put on these fun shows, and they were hugely popular, and we loved to do them. We would go, and we would see the magician, and we would see the zaniac, and we would see uh, the science guy, and uh, I, I would watch like the magician and the zaniac and the things that they were doing, the tricks with the yo-yos and the making things disappear. And uh, we first started going when my oldest child was like two years old. And really, it was for the parents, right? Because at that point, he didn't really pay attention. But then uh, we kept going until he kind of graduated out of the program. But then we had other kids. And so we kept going and we kept going. And I don't know how many uh, years, maybe 10, maybe more years, that we were going to the family fun shows. And the first time you watch these yo-yo tricks and he does a behind the back and the yo-yo goes up and he catches it on the other side and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And the magician does this thing and then it disappears and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And the next year you come back and you go, well, it was the same show as last year. And by the time you've gone back seven, eight years in a row, you're like, well, the kids really enjoy it, but I've seen all these tricks already. It's just kind of the same thing over and over again. And, and we get that way, right? When we get familiar with something, we start to, to think, how come, how come they're just doing the same thing? Why don't they go bigger, better, right? You watch a magician on TV and you go, ah, I've seen that one before. You're watching an Olympian and they do something and you're like, how come they didn't stick the landing on that? You know, why, why didn't they do that better? They, you see a soccer player take the shot, and it doesn't, it doesn't go in the goal, and you're going, come on, come on. You get paid how much money to put the ball in the goal? You missed. You missed. And we start forgetting because we become so familiar with this remarkable feats that we forget how amazing it is that he got the shot off to begin with right? We, we forget how amazing it is that they could do a behind-the-back yo-yo trick and then catch the yo-yo on the string again. How does he do that? Well, I've seen it before, so I'm not impressed anymore. The, the reason that I say that is because we're going to see Jesus doing Jesus-y things again today. It's not going to be new. It's not going to be new. It's going to be the same stuff we talked about just a few weeks ago. And I want you, as you approach this, to not go, he did it again? Same trick again? I want you to approach it and recognize how marvelous and incredible it is that he did it at all. And now that he's doing it again. Okay, so let's, let's read this together. We're in Matthew chapter 15. I'm going to start in verse 29. Jesus went on from there and walked beside the Sea of Galilee. And he went up on the mountain and he sat down there. And great crowds came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others. And they put them at his feet and he healed them. 
so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Jesus moves on. He had been up, if you remember, he'd been up in the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he moves on from there, coming back south toward the Sea of Galilee. And he's coming down toward sort of his home region in the Sea of Galilee, and he comes and he goes and he sits down. He went up on the mountain and he sat down there. And we've seen this before, right, that Jesus goes up on a mountain and sits down. We saw that at the Sermon on the Mount earlier in the book of Matthew that Jesus went up on the mountain and he sat down and there he taught them. And so our expectation here is, oh, Jesus is going to do that again. Jesus is going to go up on the the mountain and he's going to sit down and he's going to teach uh, these crowds that are coming and gathering to him. And as he went up and he sat down on that mountain, then the great crowds came to him And they were bringing with them the lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute and many others. And we start to see that Jesus has a reputation now. And so when he sits down and he's probably teaching them also, but they are also coming and they're bringing these people to him. And we've seen them, this group of people before, not necessarily all together, but we've seen them individually, right? The, the lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute. We've seen Jesus do these kinds of healings before, where those who couldn't hear, their ears are open. Those who couldn't speak, their tongues are loosened so that they're able to speak clearly. Those who are blind are able to see and get around again. Those who could not walk are made to walk and Matthew goes, you've seen all this before. I'm just going to say all of them came. All of them came. I'm not going to detail each and every story like he has detailed some of them in the past. I'm just going to say that they were bringing everybody to Jesus. Anybody who needed something, even great and difficult needs, they were being brought to Jesus. They were being brought to Jesus. And they came and they put them at his feet. That's an interesting word, this word put them. That's an interesting translation in English that it says they put them. Because when I read it in this context, oh, they brought the person who couldn't walk or the person who couldn't see and they put them at Jesus' feet. I think of placed, right? That they took them and they placed them carefully at Jesus' feet. That's not what this word means, though. This word is like they threw them. They threw them at Jesus' feet. They came and they dumped them there. There you go, Jesus. They're your problem now. I've been carrying this person who can't walk long enough all the way up this mountain. Couldn't you go to the valley next time? I've carried them up this mountain and I've dumped them at your feet. Jesus, they're your problem now. That's kind of how this comes across. But they come and they put them at Jesus' feet and he healed them. And he healed them. And you know, as pastors, we're sitting around going, what are we going to do? This is the same thing we just had a couple of weeks ago. We've already seen Jesus do these things. We've already seen Jesus heal the lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute and many others. But does that mean that these healings weren't important? Does that mean that these healings were 
less impressive because he had done them before? Or is it remarkable that it in our minds has become so routine we gloss over it that Matthew puts it into a single sentence, lame, blind, crippled, mutant, many others. Boom. Just a list of them. Yeah, that, you know it was all the regulars. And Jesus healed them. If he had healed one mute person, that would have been impressive. If he had opened one uh, eye of a blind person, that would have been amazing. If one person had come to him unable to walk and he strengthened his legs so that he was able to walk, they would have marveled. And yet, every single person they brought to Jesus, whatever the affliction that they had, they came and they dumped them at Jesus' feet and Jesus healed them. And Jesus healed them. And I have to just pause and say, what a remarkable man. What a remarkable man this Jesus is. And sometimes there are things that I am carrying. And I need to just dump it at Jesus' feet. Stuff that I'm dealing with, stuff that I'm struggling with. And I have been carrying this burden for long enough. And there's Jesus. And what I need to do is I need to just come and approach Jesus and dump it at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, it's your problem now. It's your problem now. Is there something that you can do about this? And I know that even as I'm saying that, there are several of you here who are thinking of something in your mind. You have a burden in your mind that you're thinking of even as I say that. That this is a thing that you've been struggling with. This is a thing that you have been dealing with. This is a burden that you have been carrying. And I would invite you, as Jesus invites people, to bring it to Jesus and just dump it at his feet. And say, okay, Jesus, it's your problem now. It's your problem now. Look at the kinds of things they were bringing. These are not things that you can do anything about. Can you imagine if you were the friend of somebody or the family member of somebody who couldn't walk and then so what am I going to do? I've been caring for you and taking care of you this whole time. Somebody that's blind, somebody that's crippled, somebody that's mute, somebody that you feel responsible for, this burden, right? And at the same time, we look at this and go, wait, this isn't just burdens. These are people. These are people with huge needs. Huge needs. Who has a friend that loves them enough that would carry them up the, the mountain and bring them to Jesus. And somebody that has a huge need and Jesus healed them. And Jesus healed them. And so whatever it is, the burden that you have that seems so insurmountable, that like, I don't know that I can do this, I don't know that anything is going to be able to resolve or fix this, that that level of problem, I would invite you to bring it to Jesus because that's the list here. Even if it's not specifically in this list, it qualifies under and many others and many others.
You may be the many others today. I invite you to be the many others today. I also want to invite you that you know people who are near you, your loved ones that are dealing with things, that you don't know how to help them. You don't know how to help them. You recognize it, you see it in them, you love them, you have compassion on them, you wish that there was something to do that you could do, and you know there isn't. There's nothing I can do that can help them. And I want to invite you to be one of these people that brings them and dumps them at Jesus' feet. In compassion and love. It's okay to throw them at the feet of Jesus if it's in compassion and love. This is a a resource that I don't use enough, right? I'm, I'm not even quick enough in my own life, in my own struggles, in my own afflictions, in my own burdens to bring them to Jesus. I'm not quick enough about that. And I'm even slower when it's somebody else. My first thought is, what can I do to help? Oh, nothing? Then I'm just going to feel bad on your behalf. And so I want you to think about who are the people in your life that you know are dealing with burdens? Who are the people in your life that are dealing with burdens? You know them, you love them, you care for them, and they're dealing with something. And you go, okay, but Travis, I I can't help with that thing. I know. Bring them to Jesus. Oh, but Travis, they don't know Jesus. They don't love Jesus like you and I do. Okay. Bring them to Jesus anyway. Bring them to Jesus anyway. And I, I want to encourage you to be bold in this because I, when I challenge myself in that way, let me tell you what my temptation is. My temptation is I'm going to pray for them on their behalf without them knowing. That's how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to pray for them on their behalf and I'm not even going to tell them that I'm doing it. Why would we do it that way? I'll tell you why I do it that way. There's very little risk involved. I don't have to risk any part of my relationship with them. I don't have to risk any part of uh, what if Jesus doesn't come through on this. I don't have to risk anything if I just pray for them without them knowing, without telling them anything. I'm just going to pray for them. Uh, There's no risk. And because there's no risk, there's also very little faith on my part. It's not that I don't think that Jesus could do it, but what happens then if I pray for them and Jesus does miraculously heal them? They're going to come to me and go, it's a miracle, I'm healed. And I'm going to go, hey, I've been praying for you about that. Uh-huh, I... I I appreciate that. But I actually got healed because I started taking supplements. Here's the undeniable fact. These people, the mute and the crippled and the blind and the lame and the many others, were not confused about how they were healed. 
because somebody who loved them enough to hike them up a mountain and dump them at Jesus' feet brought them and said, you know what, we're going to try this. You've been struggling with this for a long time. What if he doesn't heal me? I'm willing to carry you up the mountain and find out. It's worth a shot. Has anything else worked? Have your supplements worked? No. Let's try Jesus. And so I'm inviting you to be that kind of a compassionate, loving friend who is bold enough to say, let's try Jesus. I see your affliction. I don't need you to do anything. I don't need you to charge up the mountain. I want to come and walk alongside you and bring you to Jesus. I'll do all the work. Can I pray with you that Jesus will heal this? Can I pray with you that Jesus will help you in this affliction? I am inviting you to be that kind of a friend. It's challenging. It's a big challenge because it's going to require boldness and faith and it's going to require some risk. But let me tell you something. Jesus can handle it. He's not intimidated. He's not worried about whether or not he can do something about this. Whatever the burden is, whatever the affliction is, Jesus is not worried about whether or not he can handle it. He's like, oh, another one. Yep, done that before. Healed that one already. Resolved that situation before. So that when we get to this list, we're like, oh, this is just routine. Yeah, it's just some more mute people and lame people, more deaf people, more unalterable life afflictions. But that thing that seems so routine, when it comes down to our lives, we go, oh, hang on, what if Jesus doesn't come through? What if Jesus can't handle this one? No, let's be bold. He can. He can. A few minutes ago, we were going, well, this is just the same old, same old. And Jesus can do the same old, same old all day, all week, all month, all year, all century, all millennium. It's just same old, same old for Jesus. So why don't we see what happens when we go and we find those people that we love that are dealing with those deep afflictions and we say, let's try Jesus, and we bring them to Jesus' feet and we, in prayer, dump them at Jesus' feet and say, Jesus, this is a thing that we can't handle. Jesus, this is a thing I can't do anything about. Jesus, they're your problem now. Now, maybe if you're praying with them, you don't say it quite that way. But maybe you do say, Jesus, this is your problem. Can you relieve their burden? Will you relieve their burden? And when Jesus responds, it says, They put them at his feet, and he healed them, so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled healthy, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. He repeats the whole list. We just heard it one verse ago. Do you think we forgot what, what, what they were dealing with, Matthew? Matthew? Nope, but he just wants to emphasize 
that these were the types of people that were being brought, the types of burdens that were being brought and dumped at Jesus' feet, and he healed them, and everybody was amazed because of the people who were crippled, who are now healthy, and the people who were mute, who are now speaking, and the people who were lame, who were now walking, and those who were blind, who are now seeing. When it says he healed them, it wasn't like, oh, and then they felt better about their situation. It was like, no, he really solved the whole thing, fixed it, and made it work properly the way that we expect it to and want it to. And they glorified the God of Israel. And this is what I want to see. I want to see us be so bold that we take people who don't know Jesus and say, I see you with that burden, let's try Jesus. And we pray for them and they find healing because Jesus is that powerful and that able and that compassionate and that loving. And then they go, I am going to glorify Jesus. Yep, you told me before that he created the world and that's nice. Yep, you told me before that he's holy and awesome and powerful, and that's great. But now I have seen the power and grace of God in my own life, and I am going to praise him and glorify the God of Israel. That's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. Jesus is going to do all the work, right? Jesus is going to do all of the hard part. It's just going to require a little bit of boldness, a little bit of risk, and a little bit of faith on my part. But if I can manage that little bit of boldness, that little bit of risk, and that little bit of faith, then I get to watch as the God of Israel is glorified as Jesus heals them. The burdens are relieved, and God is glorified. But he doesn't stop there. Because even though this is already amazing, even though this is already remarkable that Jesus loves these people so much and is so powerful, so able, that when they are brought with all of these very difficult afflictions, Jesus heals them, he's not going to stop there. His love for them continues beyond that. Verse 32. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. We've heard this before, haven't we? That Jesus has compassion on a crowd because they're going to be hungry. These people have been coming and dropping people at Jesus' feet for three days. They've been coming and dropping people at Jesus' feet for three days. They've been watching. They've been hearing him talking. And then they didn't go home. They stayed. They continued to marvel. They continued to wonder, wow, what's he going to do next? He did another one. He did another one. He healed another crippled person. He healed another lame person. He healed another blind person. And they're still there crowding around Jesus. Lots and lots of people crowding around Jesus. Listening to what he's saying and watching to see what he's doing. They forgot to eat. 
Even if they had brought lunch with them, they said, you know, it's going to be a long day. We're going to hike this guy up here and, and maybe Jesus will heal him when we get there. Maybe they brought a little bit of lunch with them. But by the time they've been there three days, they're all out of food. These people are hungry and they didn't care. They're just hanging out to see what's going to happen next. And Jesus goes, hey, uh, disciples, they got to be hungry. And I care for all of these people and I care for their needs and they've got to be hungry. I'm afraid that if we send them home without something to eat, they're going to pass out on the way. And so he calls his disciples to him and says, I have great compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I am unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. And the disciples said to him, where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? Now last time the disciples came to him and said, hey, you got to send these people away. And Jesus said, you feed them. And they said, there's no way. There's no way. Right? Do you remember this? This was like a chapter, maybe a chapter and a half ago. That there were 5,000 people crowded around Jesus. And they needed to feed these people. And the disciples went, there's no way. This time, this time the disciples said, where would you like us to get the bread? Jesus comes to the disciples and he says, I have compassion on these people. I think we need to feed them. And the disciples said, and where would you like us to get the bread? We understand you're asking this of us. How would you like to do it? cracks me up because I, I look at this and go, even though they saw Jesus do the healing before, this was not something they would expect that he would do every time. They didn't necessarily think he would do it the same way again. How would you like us to do it, Jesus? Where are we to get enough bread in such a desolate place to feed so great a crowd? And Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? And they said, we've got seven and a few small fish. And directing the crowd to sit down on the ground, he took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. They took up seven baskets full of broken pieces left over, and those who ate were 4,000 men besides women and children. Jesus takes them. He says, okay, how, many, how much food do you got? They said, we've got seven loaves and a few f- small fish. Jesus said, all right, that'll be plenty. Bring it over here. He praises God. He breaks the bread. He starts handing it out to the disciples, and he starts handing it out to the disciples, and he starts handing it out to the disciples, and he keeps handing it to the disciples, and he keeps handing it to the disciples, and the disciples are passing it out to the crowds, and the disciples keep passing it out to the crowds, as Jesus just keeps breaking the bread and handing it to the disciples, and the bread just keeps flowing from Jesus. Here you go. There you go. And the disciples, all 12 of them, are passing out bread. There were only seven loaves, but somehow 12 disciples are busy passing out bread to 4,000 men and their wives and children. From seven loaves of bread and a few small fish? I have a family of seven. That's not enough food for us to have lunch. 
They had 4,000 men there. There was not enough food here for the disciples. Twelve men plus Jesus to have lunch. And they are passing it out. They are passing it out and passing it out and passing it out. So that all of the crowd got plenty of food. I want you to think about how many people 4,000 people is. 4,000 people? That is a lot of people. There are not that many times that I am in a space with 4,000 other people. Now I want you to double that. Because I'm going to assume that there were at least 50% women and children. So now we're talking about like 8,000 or more people that are getting fed from seven loaves of bread and a few small fish. Why? Because Jesus had compassion on them. Because Jesus had compassion on them. Because he loved them and was considerate of their needs, even before they recognized their own needs. It's not like they came to Jesus and said, oh, and by the way, while you heal Robert here of his blindness, do you have something I could eat? They were just there. And Jesus went, I bet they're getting hungry. Because he's thinking about them and he is considerate of them. And then he uses the disciples to pass out the food. Which I think is so amazing for his disciples, for the followers of Jesus, that Jesus says, you know what, I would like you to be a part of this. I see a need. And you go, Jesus, I can't handle that need. Jesus says, that's fine, what have you got? This is all I've got. But the need is huge. Okay, that's enough for me. You bring what little bit you've got, and I'll provide the rest, and I'll let you pass it out. There is enough with Jesus. There is enough with Jesus. Do you remember last week the woman who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you heal my daughter? And he said, well, I, I can't like, just pass out uh, stuff to everybody, right? I, I need to worry about the lost sheep of Israel first. And she said, can I just have the crumbs? Can I just have the leftovers, Jesus? Even the leftovers are enough for me. From no resources that the disciples provide, Jesus multiplies it and look at the crumbs. Seven baskets collected and left over. There was more left over than they started with. That's a lot of crumbs. Jesus is not limited. He's not holding back. He's got plenty. He's got plenty. Now, my first thought when I read this passage is I read through it and I see, oh, well, it's just Jesus doing Jesus stuff again. What? How come he didn't flip the stories? Right? Last time, he fed 5,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish, and there were 12 baskets left over. But this time, 
He feeds fewer people, only 4,000 instead of 5,000. He has seven loaves of bread and a few fish, and he only collects seven afterwards. Jesus, your tricks are getting less and less impressive. Instead of marveling at the fact that he first fed 5,000 people besides the women and children who were also there, and now he feeds 4,000 more people besides the women and children who were also there, and there is plenty left over. This right after having told the woman, yep, you can have the crumbs, because do you know what? The crumbs are sufficient. The crumbs are sufficient. If all you get from Jesus is crumbs, you'll be well fed. Because he is sufficient. Which means that you can be bold in going to Jesus with your own needs. He cares. He is compassionate both for the needs that you bring to him and the ones that you don't even think to bring to him. The ones that you don't think should be his problem. He cares for those too. And he's got plenty for you. There wasn't enough food for the disciples. And yet Jesus has them pass it out to the crowds and then there's plenty for everyone. And so not only can you bring your own needs to Jesus and know that Jesus has plenty for you, but you can bring the needs of everybody that you know to Jesus and know that he has plenty for them too, with leftovers, with leftovers. Like it's Thanksgiving dinner and you're going to be eating on this stuff for days. There's plenty Because that is the kind of God that we serve. You don't have to worry about your resources. You don't have to worry about your abilities. You just bring them to Jesus and say, Okay, Jesus, I'm bringing them to you. I'm bringing them to you. And Jesus has compassion on you. So that he meets your needs. And do you know that while he was concerned about their hunger and while he was taking care of their physical afflictions, at the same time he was preparing for their spiritual needs. Because the purpose for which he came was to take care of their spiritual needs. That they might be cleansed. That all of the filth that defiled them would be removed. That all of the spiritual darkness and emptiness that they feel inside would be removed and filled again with the presence of God Himself, the Holy Spirit. He was going to give them not just a few loaves of bread and small fish, but His very body, the bread of life. So that they might have spiritual food. So that they would be sustained not only in this life, but in the life to come forevermore. That we might glorify Him in His presence. Glorifying the God of Israel and say, look at what He has done. Look at what He has done for me. Look at what He has done for all those who would come to Him.